on this episode of Team Building Saves the World. I've met plenty of people in my career that Mm. felt that if they accepted every single LinkedIn invite (laughs) and the factor was to get as many people as you possibly could in your network. Right. I think if if your team members see your vulnerability, that's a plus. That's a great way to connect team building activities. I'm a huge fan of team building. As am I. team. It's me, your old friend Rich Rinnesland, host of Team Building Saves the World, the show where I speak to the leaders and innovators in employee wellness and corporate culture on how it reflects in the world of today. And today we're discussing building business relationships with sales leader and chief digital technology officer at Tentiel, Anna Frazetto. But first, I need to share some love with my supporters at Team Bonding. If your team is ready to experience teamwork through the power of play, then visit teambonding.com to learn more. Now, team, join me in welcoming one of the top 50 DEI influencers for staffing industry analysts, Anna Frazetto. Hello, Anna. Hello, hello. <laughs> Anna, that is a small group of people I keep chained up under my desk. They're here just to applaud you. That is their only job. I love it. <laughs> So we are here today to talk about building business relationships. Why don't we start off forming our relationship? Tell my team out there a little bit more about yourself and how you got into this field. Okay, so actually I started off as a, uh, what I would consider to be a tech nerd. I was a double major, computer science, mathematics, purely the tech route. I was a developer for years, a systems programmer, uh, moved into managing development teams. And then it was not until I uh, had some great mentors in my life that they said, you know, you have great interpersonal skills, why are you like cooped up, you know, kind of in the back office here? Uh, would love to get you in front talking to clients as far as the platform that we just built. Mm. And you're relatable as far as getting clients to understand what we do. And that was like slowly how I started to get more involved on the sales side. And then, as my friends say, I joined the dark side and I've been <laughs> in sales. Oh, my goodness. I've been in sales for 20 you know, plus years. But I think the great strength is the fact that I had the development background sure. because then it makes it very easy to have conversations with tech leaders. First off, yay, women in STEM. But when we're talking about business relationships, what do we specifically mean by that? Right. So, you know, business relationships, I think the interesting thing about when you talk about business relationships, mm. I find my best business relationships have always been the ones that I've been able to get, you know, personally involved in the career of my client or my prospect or an employee, or when you start, you know, almost crossing that bridge. And and what do I mean by that? It's people buy from people at the end of the day, right? So if they trust you and you could be a trusted advisor to that individual, I think the level of authenticity comes out and then you start naturally developing a bond. I've had clients 
before they were clients, just because I worked with them in helping their son's, you know, resume, get the first job. Meanwhile, there was no business opportunity yet with me. And finally they would say to me, Oh my goodness, I have to do business with you because I feel like you you've been so integral part in my organization and and even in my kids, you know, future. So, Mm. I mean, that's how you do it. That's how you build those business relationships. So is it just between like someone in sales and a client or are we talking about people within the same department, uh, department heads with their people under them? Are we talking about all levels of, of relationship? All, all levels of relationship. I think relationships, when you talk about relationships, I really do think it's a little bit like I always say, you look to the left, to the right, you look above, below, you're developing relationships. It's a true 360, right? So you need to, even where you work, you need to be able to have that full you know, scope of relationships, mm. but then you need to take that outward, right? How do you work with possible vendors, clients, partners, sure. Right. So you need to kind of take that outward. And then let's let's not forget talking about mentors. Right. The importance of developing that kind of relationship. Well, what's the difference then between a business relationship and networking? Okay, I, I love that question because. I've met plenty of people in my career that felt that if they accepted every single LinkedIn invite (laughs) and the factor was to get as many people as you possibly could in your network. Right. Then meanwhile, you don't have a relationship with a majority of those people. Okay. So I actually had a rule of thumb when I, you know, started off with LinkedIn is that I would not accept invites unless I met them. Ah, okay. Right. Because, again, I want to develop a relationship, not just have a meaty, you know, network. Now, it's how do you change your network into relationships, I think, is the key, you know, kind of the secret sauce. And what is that sauce? Like, what would you consider your secret to going from here's someone I met through some part of my business who is now a relationship of mine? Right. So I I find a great way to develop the relationships is if you can find a common ground. Right. So if you have, um, you know, for example, when I uh, was working at, you know, Harvey Nash or even, you know, at Tenchel, I started a uh, women in tech group. Okay. Right. So we started doing uh, monthly webinars. Right. I would invite different panelists, different speakers, and you start developing a relationship Mm. by doing that. Meanwhile, the people that I was reaching out to were initially within my network. Right. But then how you start developing that relationship is having that contact. Right. And having that discussion. And and then you just start finding people that want to participate in that type of dialogue. And again, I think that's a great way to kind of transition into a relationship. So what are the benefits of this? I mean, obviously, sales and client, that means the client is more than likely to come back to you. And the client knows that you're someone that they can trust to make them a deal. But what about on the other aspects of your business relationships? What kind of benefits are we seeing? Right. Well, I think the benefit that you get is also in looking at your own career. Okay. Right. Because if you, uh, you know, do you want to be an individual that goes to work and is very siloed 
in thought right where you go in. Mm -hmm. You basically check in. I'm going to get my day's work done, but I don't necessarily need to interact with anybody outside of the individuals that I work with. And then you check out. If you look at that, that's kind of that's doing a job versus a career. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the benefit in developing those relationships and gaining uh, personal interests, because then it also helps you when you look at your career, if you want to advance or possibly go down a different path, Mm. you need to have those relationships within the organization to kind of help facilitate that. Well, even for those steady Freddies, the ones who just love what they're doing, and that's how they want to spend their time. It's the perfect schedule for them. They have great family time, whatever it manages to be. Do they still get benefits from building those relationships? Absolutely, because what will happen is it it might actually enrich their work, right? Because they might learn something new, something different by being able to interact with other individuals. Not to mention you could also tap into them for the need of, uh, possibly to support uh, an external user or a client or a vendor. But what happens is it broadens your circle, I think, by doing that. Yeah. It also makes you aware of things that you might not even know your organization has the ability to do, right? Depending on the size company, if you're in one department, if you don't expand to understand what the breadth and scope of your company is, you you might be limiting yourself. Plus, as we say in the United States, I mean, there's so many people right now who most of their interpersonal relationships are coworkers. Right. So we wind up, there's just that philosophy in the States where more than a third of your life is spent in the office. So you might as well get to know these people. Exactly. You spend more time with them than you do with your family. <laughs> right. So what do we consider a good beneficial business relationship? So I think a, a beneficial business relationship is one where there's giving and taking. Okay. Right? It can't be one-sided. So it's got to be a two-sided you know, relationship. Right. Uh, I think um, I've done some interesting little uh, activities or exercises where every person in the organization would spend half an hour with two levels above them as far as management structure. Mm -hmm. So what that does is it helps kind of bridge the gap. It also exposes you to different departments. So, but that's a a two-way street. There's gotta be giving and taking to make it successful. And is this something that, like say, let's look at management levels of companies. Should they be helping to facilitate that? Is it of their benefit to make sure that these things continue to grow? Absolutely. Because if you think about it, every every company Mm -hmm. on the planet, I would think that their vision would be is that they want to grow. (laughs) Right. They want to be able to expand their business. And you probably don't want to experience a lot of turnover within your company. Sure. So unless you're having these conversations, you're not going to know there's nothing worse to find out some bad news from an exit interview. Mm. As opposed to having these relationships and you you kind of have uh, the reach 
to different levels of the company, to uh, different departments, and, and then maybe it prevents your turnover rates. Uh, I think that would be an interesting study, actually, to see companies that successfully do a great job in getting to know uh, all the different uh, levels of, of management and operations uh, and what their turnover rates versus uh, companies that are pretty much, you know, you have to fit in a box and it doesn't yeah. matter if you talk to anybody. Right. So if I'm a leader on a team and I think my team could really do with some stronger business interpersonal relationships between the team itself, if not with the clients outwards, how can I best go about helping officiate that, helping make sure that that be becomes realized? Right. So, you know, I, I have to tell you, I think COVID really challenged many Goodness leaders yes. and team members across the planet. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the activities that I started to do is making sure that we would have a get together once a week with the team, with mm -hmm. my team. Right. And to be able to talk about non-work activities. OK, so it's time for us to share with each other. So just imagine this was a group of about 13 of us. Mm. And what started happening is that people started to volunteer saying, you know, would everybody be open to having a yoga class together? Huh. Like, awesome. So we have some people that were athletic on the team, some people that are not have never exercised a day in their lives. And it was hysterical. We would get together via Zoom call, but we'd share and we bond that way. I think that's how those are some simple things that you can do to kind of help build camaraderie, especially because if you're not sitting in an office together right. where you can kind of connect people. The other thing is it's OK to bring your emotions to work. I actually just posted something on LinkedIn, especially with Mental Health Awareness Month, about the fact that. You know, it's always been so taboo to talk about, you know, emotions at work, yeah. right? You always strictly, it's kind of like the EQ versus IQ, right. right, kind of discussion. And I started opening up with the team and sharing like what's, you know, what's really bothering me about, you know, the pandemic, for example, like mm -hmm. we can't get together. I think if, if your team members see your vulnerability, that's a plus. That's a great way to connect. Now it's got to be genuine. That like don't sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's got to be real. But I think people <laughs> see that you're vulnerable, uh, just like they are. What winds up happening is you automatically start building that that team, that camaraderie uh, amongst the individuals, where then they'll do anything to support you mm. and vice versa. So that's how you start that. I, I find that to be very successful. It's worked really well with me, COVID and non COVID to do that type of activity uh, to kind of bring people together. Okay. Speaking of bringing people together, I need to step away from you for just one quick second because I need to tell all my team out there about a company. I am very proud to be a part of team bonding. Team bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? They've created a catalog of innovative events using the power of play as a learning tool and tapping into the correlation of work and play. From scavenger hunts to Jeopardy and so much more, the team bonding of activities, whether it's live, virtual, or hybrid, 
maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. So visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results. And we are back with Anna Frazetto talking about those very same business relationships and how to build them and make them stronger. And as you say, Anna, yes, COVID changed the world. There is no denying it. Business is not done the same now as it was two plus years ago. So what are we looking at? How has it changed and how hasn't it changed? Well, I, I think the one thing that, you know, talking about the sales side. Sure. That's really changed significantly, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, before you could walk into uh, an office and try to develop a relationship with the person that you're meeting with by just looking around in the office and saying, oh, I see that you're a golfer or that you belong to such and such organization right. or that. You know, you could pick something up, pictures of kids, like, you know, yeah. dog, you know, whatever. Like you can start, you know, bonding that way. That's all gone mm. with COVID, right? Because right. now what was happening is even if you're trying to develop that relationship uh, via Zoom call, it's not like you could stare at somebody's background and go, oh, what is that behind you? Yeah. What are you like? yeah. No, you can't. It, it cuts right to the purpose of the meeting. So now it takes the relationship off the table, right? When you're trying to establish that relationship, it's off the table now because they just want to focus on on the business transaction. So the way to do that is, you know, do your research on individuals, right? Do your research and you try to figure out they're an avid speaker on DEI. Okay, well, then I'm going to reach out to them separate from this business meeting that I'm having. And I'm going to try to pick this person's brain because I'm also passionate about DEI. So therefore I'm going to get them engaged that way. Mm -hmm. And so building the relationship has become harder, but it's very doable. I think you just have to find that common ground and you probably have to do a little bit more homework initially. This also goes to the non-sales side, Right. right? You know, you do the same thing. You got to know your audience, know who you're talking to, yeah. and then be able to try to do that extra homework so that you can connect with that person. Is it more important, do you think, now to be able to do that when you have people who, I mean, so many people we're still hearing want to stay home. They actually still, they like the hybrid model and they want to keep working with everyone just like a, a two by three in square on their screen. Is it still important that we keep these business relationships going or the networking going as it is? Because now these people have their families. They're right there on the other side of the wall where once there was a cubicle. So do you think it's more important or even as important as it used to be? I think it's as important as it used to be. And maybe in certain aspects, it's actually a little bit more important because Mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to break into a new relationship, Okay. It's a little bit harder to navigate that when it's 100% remote. You know, as far as working from home, I think everybody was craving for some um, work-life balance. Right. 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 We all talked about work-life balance. We all pretended we had work-life balance, but the reality (laughs) is most of us were not very successful. At least I personally, I don't think I was very successful at work-life balance. Work-life balance usually just meant you liked your job. (laughs) 
Right. And your job became yeah. like your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was not just a job, but it became like almost a lifestyle right. that you, you know, constantly worked. Yeah, I agree. So I think um, that that's the part that you we all need to kind of learn to hang on to. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of companies have struggled. I've seen it where they've, you know, forced we're all coming back into the office and they've yeah. had massive boycotting and even resignations from, you know, like, well, no, then I'm not going to work mm. under that situation and go do something else. So it's, it's a tricky, it's a slippery slope, sure. but I think we need to be able to navigate it because it's here to stay. I don't think a hundred percent in the office you know, maybe uh, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think it's going to be really hard uh, to go back to 100 percent in the office. Being a part of this podcast, I have learned so very much because the business world was not something that I ever thought I was going to be a part of, at least, you know, tertiarily. Sure, but not my life. And just being part of the podcast, I've learned so very much. Like I remember just a year ago when everybody was saying, no, we want to stay home. We were working just as well, if not harder at home than we were at the office. But now I was reading an article just in preparation for today for meeting you, and it's like 78% of the workforce wants to be back in the office because they miss shaking hands. They miss being able to look somebody in the face over a water cooler. Do you agree with that assumption or was that sort of a, a hopeful guesstimate on the part of the article? Well, you know, I, I would say 78% seems really high because, <laughs> when I, yeah, because the conversations that I'm having and even that I'm kind of noticing from, you know, LinkedIn, for example, right. uh, people are really pushing for the uh, the hybrid model. Okay. I, I think what happens is it really, it allows you to be able to take your children to school, for yeah. example. And yeah. then, you know, you come back and you're back online. And so I think when it's hybrid, I think it's going to give you the pleasure of being able to be in the office two days a week, for example, right. and you get to interact and socialize, but then you can have three days at home or vice versa. Some I know some people are flipping the weeks where mm. they do three days and then two days and then two days and three days. So I think it, it's here to stay. And I think it's just a matter of us being able to, you know, work with it. Is there a right way or a wrong way to do it if we're doing it just hybrid wise, just virtually? I, you know, I mean, a wrong way. I, you know, I guess that that's. Or is it kind um, of just sure. any, as long as you're trying something, there's a benefit to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I okay. think, you know, having events. Uh, you know, we're talking about, I mean, the podcast that I'm on right now, like team building activities. I'm a huge fan of team building. As am activities. I. <laughs> right, right. You know why? Because, you know, honestly, it's a great way uh, to connect people. We've done things with, uh, you know, especially when I was at, you know, Harvey Nash, we used to do things even with our clients. Mm. which was great because then it also shows that you're not all business, that you have right. that, you know, personal side to you. During the pandemic, uh, we were trying to celebrate the success of an author and we couldn't come together because obviously COVID happened. So we sure. were going to go to, you had mentioned SIA at the beginning of this, but it was like their executive forum. We were going to go mm. and celebrate uh, Joyce Russell. She wrote this fabulous book, Cherry on Top. And unfortunately, 
we couldn't get together. So we wound up saying, oh, my goodness, like, what do we do now? So we didn't just walk away and say, "Okay, it's COVID. We're not going to do anything. We wound up establishing uh, we call it the Lady Leaders Book Club, but we wound up establishing a monthly get together. But it became like an avenue of support for each of us. So it was 15 women. We came together. Uh, we actually, during COVID, we wrote a book together. Mm. So it was, it was amazing. So I think like there's so much that you can do out there that allows you to uh, connect, even if you are uh, separate because sure. you want to have work-life balance or because it's COVID or it's something else. But it was a great way to pull us together. And we never thought that we were going to write a book, but we did. Uh, it's called Together We Rise, and it's about women. Excellent. Right? It's about women leadership, and it's all of our stories as far as how we've become the leaders that we are today. But the reason why I share this is that COVID actually gave us an opportunity to do something together that we probably wouldn't have done. If it wasn't COVID, because our schedules would have been so chaotic because we were always in the office or traveling, right, for mm. work, uh, that we would have never been able to do it. Okay. Excellent self-promotion, by the way. I applaud <laughs> you for that. That book again, Together We Rise. Where's that available? On Amazon, Fantastic. actually. Yeah. Now all my team knows and they will go and look for it. I love it. Now, what about the different generations? Because, you know, you, you've got five different generations currently existing in the workforce. Are we seeing that the older groups, uh, we're talking about the greatest generation and, and, and you know, down to the X's like me, down to the millennials and the Y's, do they do this differently? Is it the same? Do they even have a common ground to talk about? Well, you know, I think everybody has a common ground to talk about something. Okay. Right. There, there, there's always something out there. So if you take somebody who is, you know, a, a Gen Z mm-hmm. whose work might not be their primary focus, right? Because right. they have so many other activities and things that they're participating in. And then you might have like the more traditionalist of a uh, baby boomer sure. who is still hanging on to the work, you know, to the work environment. Yep. And that to them work is, and now of course I'm generalizing for the purpose of, you know, conversation. I'm not right. saying of everybody course. in of these course. categories are like that, but yes. that their work is everything. But I'm sure there's a common issue or common talking point. They might have different perspectives and different opinion on that talking point, Mm. but it's a way to bring people together to have the conversation, right? So for example, you think of the conversation about microaggression. What is it? What does it mean? You talk to an older generation, they might not be as aware of what microaggression really means. Mm. Now you talk to a Gen Z person and they're all over it. They know exactly what it is. So, but now it becomes an education. Nice. Right. And it's a great way. um, I've seen this work really well where you have different training sessions within a company that maybe they do bridge across many generations Mm -hmm. and you have a training session to kind of share different thoughts and perspectives and how to handle different situations. So again, there's always a way to bring people together. They might not have the same opinion, but it's a great way to at least have a talking ground. So far, it doesn't sound like there is any real bad or downside 
to cultivating these business relationships. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm a big, you know, big proponent of it. And also I, I constantly, I have a philosophy that says, even if you're in your current job, you should always be looking at what your next career move is going to be. Right. Great. Not that you're not focused in what your current position is, sure. but you always should have that, that broad landscape where you can say, I think in the next three to five years, I see myself here or in right. the next 12 to 18 months, I see myself here. When you have these different talking, discussion groups, it exposes you and broadens your perspective. Thinking about those older generations, because whenever I think about networking and I think about building personal relationships, I think about like when I was even starting out, I'm an artist in my lifestyle. I'm, I'm an actor, I'm a director, I'm a writer. These are the things that I do. This is how I built my career. But I still had to have those jobs that kept my career going. And I always remembered the old philosophy of keep a pocket full of business cards because you never know who you're going to meet. What's different now from that? Like what are the what are the new generations coming into? I, I think it's it's in knowing how to communicate. OK, right. Communication styles, because you were talking about, you know, like a pocket full of, sure. of uh, business cards. Sure. Nowadays, there's digital cards. Right. So a lot of, a lot of companies don't even have business cards because you have a digital card or you use LinkedIn as yeah. your business card and you just scan the QR code, for example, versus <laughs> having. A, I know it's a totally different world. Right. So you kind of figure out a different way to be able to communicate. But the reason why I say communication style is because, again, looking at it from a sales perspective, mm -hmm. if you're, you know, 23 years old and you're trying to sell to somebody who's, you know, 55 years old. Right. Not that age has anything to do with it. Right. But understand how they would shop, how they would buy. OK. Right. So, for example, Texting might not be what they're into. So texting a message to a new prospect mm -hmm. who's in their late 50s or early 60s, they're going to be like, what? This is spam. And they just delete it. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, versus they might be more they want the formal style of an email. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. big email people. So again, know your audience. So I think communication style is one thing that everybody needs to be sensitive to and right. how you're going to engage with whoever you're going to engage to. And this would apply even on a non-sales way. Yes, absolutely. I try to tell my 16-year-old daughter who is in the next room. She's literally a hallway away from me, but she's texting me and I keep yelling to her. I'm not wearing my glasses. I can't see this. Come talk to me. And she'd be like, she'd be like, no. And like, then call me. Oh, that's talking on the phone. I can't oh do my God, like I don't want to do that. Phone. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say things like I'll tell her to call her grandmother who lives 100 miles away from us. And she's like, but that's talking on the phone and grandma doesn't know when to stop. And and it's because she'd rather be texting. It has nothing to do with the fact she doesn't. I mean, she loves her grandmother very much. Mom, if you're listening, she loves you very, very much. Um, but, yeah, she's just used to texting and that's all she knows really how to communicate with. But let's look at it from then her perspective because very soon she's going off to college and she's going to be, you know, going into a business field somewhere. She's going to be going somewhere to do things. What kind of advice can we give her on how to start these relationships early to cultivate that network that's going to help her? 
Right. Oh, so I'm I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. Okay. And actually, I encourage, I told all the kids in my family, you know, my nieces, my nephew, create your LinkedIn profile. So when they were like 18, just getting into college, I'm like, start, create your LinkedIn profile. Start connecting with other college students, Mm. right? Then what happens is you start building a little bit of a base. Then if you know that your professors are on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. connect with them because then you could see who are they connected to. So then when you're starting to get ready to look for, you know, your first business opportunity, you start having a base of who you can reach out to connect with the members of your family. Guess what? They're not just aunts and uncles and dads and moms. Yep. They have they have professions and it might be a profession that you might be interested in going into. So these are all I mean, I think it's like start early with that professional approach. The other advice that I give a lot of teenagers, the older teenagers, you know, in the 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 range Mm. that whatever you do in social media will live on forever. (laughs) Very true. Yes. So just be be smart in how you go about approaching things. Uh, I know that I've worked in organizations in the past when uh, we would look to hire uh, someone, we would do a full social media search Mm. on that individual. So you might think that you deleted your Instagram, you know, pictures and your ID. But guess what? It will come up in a search. So just be smart and think long-term uh, when you're posting some of those uh, those pictures. <laughs> Are they still going to hold something against like a new hire for something they did? Because now my daughter has things from when she was five on Instagram and Twitter and what have you. Are they still going to hold that against her when, she gets, think, when she's older? It dep- it dep- honestly, it depends on the, the company that you're going to go work for. Okay. I think some of the larger companies and some of the more conservative industries, uh, they might uh, might hold it against you. But you, if you're like, for example, if you're going into the media and entertainment business, I'm sure they're probably not going to hold it against you as right. if you were going to financial services. They might have a different landscape on, you know, uh, you need to have what and they consider to be a pristine you know, record. And God help the poli sci kids. Exactly. (laughs) Anna, thank you so very much for coming on and talking to us about this. This is a fantastic launch for this kind of conversation. I'd love to have you back in some future events so we could talk a little bit more in depth about it. I would love that. Fantastic. Team, please give a big round of applause to Anna Frazetto. Why don't you tell everybody out there, Anna, where they can find you in case they have any further questions or or just want to get to know you a little better. Excellent. LinkedIn is the best way to find me, and it's my name, Anna Frazetto. So that's the best way to get me. Fantastic. I hope you had a good time today with us, Anna. I did very much so. This is a lot of fun. Good, because now we're going to have some even more fun. It's time for my speed round. Oh, good. There's no cheese left unturned in this show. All right, Anna, as I was explaining to you before the show began, this is simply 60 seconds of innocuous questions. I'm going to play music that goes for 60 seconds in length. During the course of that time, I'm going to be asking you a series of just silly, simple questions. 
The objective here is to answer as quickly as you can, as shortly as you can. Try to give quick, off-the-top-of-your-head answers, and we'll see if we can get, you know, how many we can get out of you in the time that's lapsed. Right mm -hmm. now, we're looking at 13 is the number to beat. That's a tough one. It's a tough number. Ooh. Most people are getting around 10, 11. So let's okay. see if we can't get you all the way there. All right, Anna, once you hear the music, I'll start asking the questions, and away we go. What's your name? Anna. How many children do you have? Three. Which one's your favorite? None. <laughs> do you have any pets? Yes. What are they? A dog. Excellent. Cake or pie? Pie. What's your dream job? Oh, traveling the world. If you could be on any television family, which one would you choose? Friends. <laughs> Who's your favorite celebrity chef? Uh, Bobby Flay. What is your favorite trait about yourself? Uh, Go-getter. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh, Harry Styles. Nice. If you could ask your dog one question, what would it be? What do you really like to eat? Would you rather be considered popular or smart? Smart. What do you like to do on a rainy day? Uh, watch movies. I'm going to put it in there. Anna, are you ready for this? 14! <laughs> you are now our number to beat. Anna Frazetto. Okay. We're very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations then. Well done. Oh, awesome. anything, anything you'd like to say out there? Kind of like a, a victory moment for yourself? I like to thank my mother and my father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, fantastic. And a historic day here. Thank you so much again, Anna. And thank you, team. That's it. We have put to bed another episode of Team Building Saves the World. If you've enjoyed this episode, whether you're new to the podcast, an old fan of the show, please be sure to share it with everyone you know. Whether they're your coworker, friend, or family, it helps us to share all this vital information. You can find out all about us, including all past episodes, at teambonding.com slash podcast. You can also find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you go to listen, we will be there. And if you don't find us where you listen, please find us on the social medias at Team Bond Podcast and leave us a message telling me where you are, because where you are is where I want to be. Plus, go on those social medias. Tell us whether you liked this show or if you have an idea for a future topic on the podcast, I want to hear from you. So before we say our final farewells for this episode of Team Building Saves the World, please never forget that if you're within the sound of my voice, you're on my team now. And I am forever going to be on yours. So long, team. And I'll see you next time. It's been said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your coworkers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.